Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson vill jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Carlson, episode. In hurry up mode. That is the fastest intro I've ever heard. And I'm I'm with you. Like, let's let's keep going. I'm gonna restart. We've already had six rounds of our uh mock live draft show. Uh, we're heading into round seven. If you didn't hear, go back to the first part of this. You'll hear all the like all the settings, all like this for the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League settings, kkupfl.com for all the info on that. Uh, we'll put in the show notes too. But We've had six very eventful and interesting rounds. And Elon, you said I could carry over a thought from <laughs> from the I'll, sixth I'll allow round. It. Oh, thank you. Okay, so you really this is a weird time to just start. Don't listen to part two without part one. Who does that? If you do it. Let me know. Uh, Evgeny Malkin. I'll just shout out coming after Mark Stone. I like both guys. It, it, that was in the middle of the sixth round. Both guys injury risks, but the payoffs could be huge. For both of them. And Malkin's a guy that like I understand. And I mentioned this on our patron cast. Like I've been burned so many times by Malkin. I'm not lining up to get burned by him again. But where he's going. I might get burned by him again. Like I, I am willing. I am interested. Um, Mark Stone for what it's worth. Went 77th overall in this mock. Which is about 10 picks uh, later. Than he's been going uh, so far. In, in our other a couple mocks we've run over 20 so far and Malkin went about eight picks later and I think actually the difference there for both of them Elon is we're, we're seeing I think more D picked earlier than we've seen in a lot of the mocks and a lot of that is really sort of just up to the flow of the draft right like D are gonna go at one point or another uh, it's hard to really know like I don't want to pay too much attention to their overall uh, ADP I want to know where they rank amongst other D of course I'll have my tiers but relative, I think they'll always go like the same distance from one D to another. But sometimes it's going to happen in the third round. Sometimes it's going to happen in the seventh round. Sometimes it's going to happen in the 11th round. So if you are drafting D, I would not be paying too much attention to their overall ADP if you're using some other source or or data, data set, because that's not going to help you because your draft is going to be different than all those other mocks where the defenseman went to different, the, the D runs happened at different moments. Yeah. Like you said, Brian, you, you have your tiers and you want to make sure you get the guys you want, like one guy from each tier that you were planning on getting someone from. Uh, speaking of D, like since we last talked about Noah Dobson going at the end of round six, uh, JL also on the turn got his second D in Rasmus Dahlin. This was another team, by the way, that had no D or goalie to start. He had Kachuk, Huberdo, Meyer, Ottinger. So, you know, sorry, he did have a goalie. 
Patrick Laine, and then he got his first 2D in Dobson and Darlene. So two D two DDs who I think have like a lot of upside. You know, we're talking top power play guys. Maybe one day Owen Power challenges, but we're not too worried about that. And Darlene, you know, from that Joe Yurden interview, he said that we have another gear to see from Darlene, and maybe this is the year. Like that late of a pick, I think it's fun because that there could be a huge breakout coming. Like he did kind of have a breakout in 2019-20 when he had 40 points in 59 games, and he kind of repeated that this past year, a 54 point pace, but. Still, I feel like that's kind of disappointing. Like, I think if he ends up with the same season again, this pick will be disappointing. Like, compared to like a Devon Taves, Miro Haskinen, who went as the next two D after as this draft continues. In that case, I think that like Taves and Haskinen could do a little bit better. Though I guess Haskinen also is someone who has to show us that he could actually do it. I, I have a lot of faith in him. But yeah, Dalian and Haskinen are actually pretty similar as like super talented defensemen that we know like are offensively inclined and like have the ability to really like you know and also super high draft picks, right? And it's just now a matter of like taking that role and running with it and taking that step forward. I guess Darlene has been the top power play in Buffalo and it's more just been the team around him hasn't been a team that you could put up a lot of points with. And then Haskinen has been behind John Klingberg at times. They're just not getting that full role. So I think both of those guys are interesting. It's fun to see them both going in the seventh round. And then Charlie McAvoy going next. He's amazing. He's just missing some time. I think otherwise he would have gone a lot earlier. But once you're in round seven here and you're getting Charlie McAvoy, as long as uh, Mr. Halsey, Brett, is confident in himself for those first few weeks of the season to like, you know, maybe just pick some good guys off a of free agency to make up for the fact that he has to start with McAvoy and IR. That'll be a really fun bonus that he gets when he finally comes back. Man, Brian, this round is a blazing by, including five centers went in the first like seven picks of the round. Pavelski, Kuznetsov, Kadri, Norris, and Trevor Zegras. Do you see those guys as all being in a similar tier, or do you think one of them was like an especially big steal to get all the way down at round seven? I think they're all they're all similar. I mean, okay, I'll say what you want to hear, Elon, which is I think Kuznetsov could be. A, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking a, that a cut above. I'm gonna say Kuznetsov and Norris could both be a cut above. Pavelski could be there too, and I don't want to shortchange Joe Pavelski. It's just it's been a while or like ever since we've seen, uh, what is he? He's turning, he's, he'll be 38. He just turned 38. Since we've seen a 38 year old put up an incredible season. That said, 36 year old Pavelski, 75 point pace, 37 year old Pavelski, 81 point pace. Uh, and neither, neither one looked so questionable either. Like I, we dug and we're like, why, why is this happening? Why isn't this sustainable? And you put them sort of in the same, a uh, place that we've put someone like Max Pacioretty in recent years is just, he's an older dude who found a new way to do the things that he does really well uh, to fit in and play his role, but not just be a role player, be like a, a top flight guy. Um, I I'm worried a little bit about where he lands and what his job is with the new coach and setup and system in Dallas. Um, so he's not someone I would draft. Like I would like Kuznetsov and Norris uh, the most out of that center group. But, you know, when it comes to Kadri and Zegras, I could see Pavelski fitting in pretty comfortably next to those guys. Yeah, I guess it's pretty fun comparing Zegras to Pavelski. One, both on very different ends of their career. It's just a matter of are they going to intersect this year or is it going to take another year before Zegras, like, you know, shoots ahead as he, like, clearly will very soon. Uh, Zegras is going to be a star in the league, top line, top power play. It's a fun pick. and I, But I think it's the right spot for him round seven. I, I could imagine him going higher in some drafts just because of the excitement and the unbound upside. But I think, like, some centers that went earlier, you know, like we talked last year, like Shifley, Braden Point. Like, I'm not ready to take a Zegras over those 
those guys. So I'm happy to see that uh, Zegris fell. Uh, you know, we got a smart group here drafting. By the way, uh, the Heiskanen pick was uh, Justin's first. You know, we, that was something we were tracking, right? Kaprizov, uh, Eichel, Svechnikov, Patterson, Tavares, Mark Stone. And then he gets Heiskanen. That's pretty good, right? To get Miro Heiskanen as your top D. I think it's a good guy to start building around. Oh, okay, Brian, here's a question I want to throw at you. Some goalies have gone, and I still think we've seen some good starters here. And for me, like in fantasy, give me a starting goalie that I don't think is terrible, and I'm pretty happy just because who knows you know, how it'll shake out and things are unreliable. We got Marc-Andre Fleury going at the end of the seventh. And like he's someone I think people, you know, he's old. He's like Pavelski, right? And maybe you could be like, oh, this guy's old. Like maybe he's not able to do it anymore. You look at Minnesota, a team that people generally think is a good team. Uh, this is kind of a situation like with Shostyorkin, where like I'll bet you a lot of people may not even remember <laughs> who the backup goalie is because obviously they traded Camp Talbot. And if you recall, it was to the Sens for one of your longtime favorites, Brian, Philip Gustafsson, who I think is the backup now on Minnesota. Like, obviously, long-term, they have Jesper Wallstead, yeah. and that's the plan. So that's why they didn't need to hold on to, like, Kokkinen or whatever. Like, that's the future. But for this year, Marc-Andre Fleury at 37 years old, I could see him being a volume starter on this team if he can hold up, and he hasn't had, like, too many injury troubles rate lately. So I think that's a really uh, good value here, and a goalie I'd be really happy to get so late. I'm liking the goalies I'm seeing. And in the mocks I've done, this is about where I jump into the fray. So we saw Flurry go at the end of the seventh. And that would be the signal to me that like, okay, Brian, like try and grab a goalie next. Flurry's sort of been the, the bellwether, if you will. Uh, right after Flurry went, we saw uh, three goalies picked in the next five choices. And those three goalies were Darcy Kemper, Tristan Jari, and Elvis Merzlikens, Jack Campbell, goes a few picks later which really leaves the only starters that you could have faith in like could comfortably have faith in okay and i'm not counting um john gibson in that group i'm not counting carter hart in that group uh really just bobrovsky and biddington are the last guys on the board that i know are going to be workhorses and i i i believe it's more likely than not that they're going to turn in pretty decent, worthy performances. Of course, we could see those come from Hart and Gibson too. But now that we've decreased the value value of a save, uh, volume is not as king as it was before. Um, So yeah, this is about where I see myself trying to pick up my first goalie in my drafts. Um, These are are the starters who are still out there who could, honestly, like Tristan Jari, no respect. I really am surprised at how late he's going in a lot of drafts. Elvis Merzlikens, we thought, would be huge last year. It was a struggle. We've read about why on The Athletic. Like, the, you know, he's working through the grieving prog- process of his friend and, uh, like, just, just was not seemingly steady yeah but and, so, and also columbus was like in a total rebuild and just traded seth yeah. jones for adam boakvist who like in the future i think columbus has some good goalies and maybe even as soon right. as this year but like yeah i think like uh, there were sy- reasons huge, for merzlikens not have a huge good year. systemic changes yeah. and now you've got nick blankenberg looking like he's he's earned a spot on the top pairing potentially with zach Wierenski. and like there wasn't really that solid a top pair last year at any point at except at the end when blanking was kind of coming on the scene. So that alone could be reason enough to have a little more faith in Merzlikens this season. Uh, so yeah, I like these goalies. And now uh, Bobrovsky has also gone in the eighth round here. And again, it's not about what round the goalies are going in because uh, your draft might be different. It's, it's all relative, right? Keep that in mind. So that leaves, I'm looking at the goalies left, Elon, uh, Binnington, Thompson, Hart, Gibson, 
Grubauer, Jake Allen, James Reimer, Vili Huso. Yeah, like, you, I think that's yeah. that's the list of starters remaining, and they're all the step down from the guys we've just named. Of course, you can take a swing on a Matt Murray or on a Pavel Francouz or an Alexander Georgiev, but I the guys I, I just mentioned in that group before are the next group of guys that I would expect to start at least 50 games without sweating it. And uh, neither of them I feel are nearly as likely to hit or be successful or worth a roster spot all season long as the group that's just gone off the board. Yeah. I think we definitely hit an inflection point here and I think it makes sense. Like everyone pretty much has a goalie. What teams don't have a goalie? I guess I'm seeing Dylan, doesn't have a goalie yet. Barkov, Hedman, Landeskog, Ehlers, Larkin, Malkin, Devon, Taves, and Mackenzie Wieger. So he's got three D. So I guess you could always trade a D for a goalie to someone. And then actually the, the next team, Tom's team, doesn't have a goalie either. I guess we need to read through the whole place. Oh, and Julian's team. So yeah, there's still three teams without a goalie. And you've mentioned some guys left that are left, Brian, in terms of goalies on the board. But yeah, I think like when Jack Campbell, Darcy Kemper, these are like your like, uh, they're interesting goalies in this round, right? Like guys who have had like good stretches now are on new teams, but the team is like paying them lots of money. So I, I like a pick like that. Like I know there's like a little bit of risk especially with like a Jack Campbell, because I know he struggled a bit last year. And like Stuart Skinner, I guess, I, I do wonder if Jack Campbell's a little uh, risky, but at this point in the draft, I think it's a, it's a great pick. And that actually went to uh, Justin, who, uh, you know, again, the guy who got Haskin in the last round before that hadn't had any goalies in D. Uh, we had a specific question in the chat here from Andy S being like, how do you like my team so far? So you might as well just take a, a look there. And uh, Brian, did you pause the draft, by the way? The draft is positive. We finished the eighth round. Honestly, I'm good at this point uh, to just like let it roll. Let it roll, and then we'll just like talk through as it goes. Uh, okay. Because yeah, we maybe got... we'll maybe we'll pause every every. But well, at least let's recap. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was let picks. me uh, let me go to Andy's team here, which I think he's done a really interesting thing, and I'm very curious to get your take because he did something different than what I generally do. But he like went D goalie to start. He had Makar and then Vasilevsky. So it's almost like yeah, okay, I've locked in my goalie in D. I don't have to think about it for a while. But then he took Jason Robertson in round three. Then he went another goalie in D. He got Hellebuck and then Brent Burns. So at this point, he's got two high end goalies in Vasilevsky and Hellebuck, and then he's got two high end D in Makar and Burns. Burns obviously is going to be the the top power well i shouldn't say obviously but like to me it seems like clear that he's gonna be the top power play guy in carolina which is a spot that has been very fruitful over the years to guys like d'angelo and uh, dougie hamilton and then he went with point Giroux, and stutzla so you know he's getting a lower end group of forwards compared to some of the others his like forwards are now robertson point Giroux, and stutzla but these are all still like solid guys you know like not superstars but he's getting his superstars in terms of the goalies and d so yeah what do you, what do you think of the strategy is this something I, I feel like i might be too wimpy to try this strategy like i'd want my superstar forwards but at the same time yeah yeah i feel like i would have gone makar first as good and then i would have probably not taken vasilevsky and i would have taken like uh like one superstar skater and then maybe get the next goalie in the next round but yeah yeah well, it'll well be one, one 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 forward in your first five picks is definitely a bold move. Uh, we saw Edward took two forwards in his first five picks, but everybody else I'm looking at had at least three. Uh, and I think, yeah, I don't know. Like, this is why you mock, right? I feel like Andy's trying something out. And in the mock drafts I've done, I've tried basically my biggest strategy. I know where, what I'm going to do with forwards, but I've been trying to change how much I prioritize D or how much I prioritize G, goalie, moving them up my list, moving them down my list. I feel like Andy's saying, okay, what if I built my team around defense and goalie? And I just feel like 
Yeah, I I don't uh, I like Jason Robertson's that first forward and five picks. I said I liked the point pick in round six. Now he's got him with Giroux and Stutzla with uh in the seventh and eighth rounds. I think it's just hard. I I think you want that superstar like firepower like the the on on the forward end. And I I can't say. I mean, we'll see how the rest of the the draft shakes out. But I find in my teams, if I don't have forwards I can rely on, then I'm not sure. Uh, how competitive I look. I'm not comfortable. Like I can get by without defense. I can rely on, I can get, I can scrape by without defense or goalies that I can really rely on. But forwards are kind of the non-starter. I guess you're hoping like, hey, point and uh, the Stutzla pick could be huge, right? Like if you think about who, like Elon, do you know who Stutzla played with last year? Oh yeah. Like not the, not exciting players for sure. And he's still not really who's well. going to be yeah. playing with this year. Yeah. Like he played with uh, Alex Formanton. And Connor Brown were his two uh, most regular line mates. And now there's a chance that like Alex Debrinkit and Claude Giroux could be his next. Like, and he had a 60 point pace with those guys as a sophomore in the league who still like wasn't really getting great treatment from his coaching staff earlier in the year. So I think this could be really huge, like a giant upgrade in line mates. Of course, the 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 upshot or the downshot is that he might not have as much power play opportunity depending if he's the odd one out, which we'll have to wait and see, but I could see Stutzler performing like a top end forward. And that would be uh, really good news for Andy. Who's going to need to find a lot of forwards who can perform like a top end forward or have that potential. Yeah. I think um, it's interesting Elon, to like the way he's like sort of taking, like, you know, now that he avoided like the top end forwards to go for D and goalie, it's fun now to take some swings on some guys who like, you know, decent enough floors, but like, you know, potential to do a lot better than the draft position. Like Stutzler, I think is like maybe in the end, like some guys who went after him, like Zuccarello, you know, 90 points. He's playing with Caprizo. It seems like a pretty sure bet to do something similar, like, uh, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi, like, you know, Tara Vine and guys who have done it before and have been solid. And you just kind of expect them to do what they did recently. Stutzel is like that, like upside swing, which I think there's a very good reason to expect it, but it's not as a sure thing. But maybe if you don't have these like superstar forwards, you have to take someone who has the highest potential. Like, I don't think Tavo Tara Vine is going to turn into a superstar forward. You know, I think we know what he is, but Stutzel, we don't know yet he might just be the 60 70 point guy or he may still have this like extra gear and i'll also just throw in there like claude Giroux averaged 70 points or uh, had a 70 point pace last season and like the seasons before 65 points but the season in 1819 that's a long time ago now but he still was an 85 point player not so long ago so i like i don't think the upside it's not stutzel like upside but i think there's i think there is upside for Giroux this year i think he's like He's sort of being counted out as like a 60, 65 point kind of old man. And I think there's a decent chance he can break 70. I mean, don't forget, like last year, his total points are pretty meaningless, right? Like who cares what he did overall? Because part of it was on Philly, a terrible team. And exactly. then part of it was on uh, Florida, where he was like on Philly, he had 42 points in 57 games. Then in Florida, he had 23 points in 18 games, well above a point per game. So it was like two completely different seasons. So if he gets an Ottawa or a Florida like situation in Ottawa... He, I, I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see him be a point-per-game guy. So I like that swing also, for sure. Uh, okay. All right. I'm going to recap round seven and eight, and we've started round nine. So uh, at the top of round seven, we have Darlene, Pavelski, Kuznetsov, Kadri, Norris, Taves, De- Devin Taves, uh, Trevor Zegras, Miro Haskinen, who actually went later, I want to mention, in this draft, then he's been going in a lot of mocks. I think he's, like, hyped 
and reasonably so, but I'm finding in some mocks, he's like too high. It's like, we're getting really excited. You know, it's when a player's about to break out, everyone wants to reach for him and be like, yeah, I called it. I knew this was coming, but sometimes it's still like a little early to do that. So I'm seeing that happen with Haskinen this year, but I think this was a reasonable place in the middle of the seventh round for Justin to get him. Then McAvoy, Giroux, Jesper Bratt, Jonathan Marchessault, potential top line, Jonathan Marchessault. That's nice. Marc-Andre Fleury, and then Anze Kopitar ended the seventh round, which uh, I'd put him in with that group of C's that went earlier in the round. Zgras, Norris, Kadri, Kuznetsov, Pavelski, like he's in there in that discussion somewhere. Then the eighth round went Darcy Kemper, Evan Bouchard. That feels early to me as a D, but Mackenzie Weger went next and I'd rather Bouchard. So either they're both early or we're just at that point. I'll have to see who's left on the board. Uh, Tristan Jari, Elvis Merzlikens, Tim Stutzla, Drake Batherson, Jack Campbell, Matt Zuccarello. That could be huge value in round eight if he stays uh, stapled to Kaprizov and does what he did last season. Like that value stands out a lot. Followed by Mackenzie Weger, Troy Terry, Tyler Bertuzzi, who's also been, we need a name for the guys who hang out at the top of the draft board, but don't get taken. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, Tavo Teravainen, and Robert Thomas ends the eighth round. We're now partway through the ninth round. Elon, any thoughts on the seventh or eighth rounds before we move on to the ninth and 10th. Yeah, I guess Evan Bouchard is interesting. Like eventually I think he's going to take over for Tyson Barry. I'm sure like if Edmonton had the option, they would just get rid of Tyson Barry right now and open up that cap space. Since they can't, maybe they use him as the only like value he brings, which is on the top power play, then like buried on the third pairing with like a Broberg who's coming up. Uh, but yeah, Bouchard really got moved around also. Like on sometimes he was top pairing and on sometimes he wasn't like his ice time at the start of the year when he had this like really nice start, he was seeing like above 21 minutes a game. By the end of the season, he was falling down to less than 20 minutes per game. So it'll just be interesting to see how Woodcroft decides to use Bouchard. And like definitely the upside is there, but he's going to need the ice time. Like I'd be a little nervous about banking on a guy who wasn't like, I still want my defenseman in the rounds eight, you know, seven to like be guys that I expect to play more than 20 minutes per game. Like for sure. Like even like looking at some guys that went in round nine. Now we're seeing the first defenseman are like cling, Seth Jones and Eric Carlson and like Carlson like is tricky because of the injuries Klingberg and Seth Jones I think are guarantees to play big minutes Klingberg I guess is like I just feel like if Anaheim's smart they play him a lot give him the best opportunity he's a guarantee yeah because you're gonna want to trade him at the deadline make the most of this seven million you're spending to like boost up his value then get some get a first round pick or or whatever out of him after he's like you know clicking so well with Trevor Zegris and uh, Troy Terry Uh, so yeah I don't know I feel like I'd rather just take one of those guys. Maybe Bouchard has higher upside, but I'd be a little nervous that the coach could like ruin me. Like I don't want to. I don't want a guy who will have to be getting to the head of Woodcroft to confirm that. And like Weger on Calgary is also like a very interesting pick, right? Like sort of like feels out of nowhere. Like he's had some huge seasons in Florida, but now he's in a new situation. But I have heard ru- ru- like rumblings that Weger like he could be on the top power play. Like we don't know. Like he's going to a team that yeah has Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin. These aren't like guys who like are insane and like you know no way he bumps like one of the one of them from the top power play so i feel like Uyghur, if he has a good camp and if they like how he's looking there that's an opportunity he could have that would like like skyrocket his value so i think like a lot of drafts that happen like once training camp have happened like we'll know more and we'll know whether Uyghur is worth a high pick or whether you just want to leave him to the end because he's just like a guy who's going to play a lot and probably be like a 40 point guy like similar to noah hannafin 
Yeah. And based on what we know today, I wouldn't take that chance. Like Rasmus Anderson's still on the board. He earned the job last season and like looked like a new player in January. Like something clicked, something happened. And I have to think coaching had something to do with that. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, the coaches built this guy. They want to keep using him. Like he's doing what they said. Everything's working. Everyone's happy. And here comes Mackenzie Weger into the sad Calgary locker room. Did you see that? The video? Yeah, yeah. That it's Calgary like too small. Yeah. I don't know. It was really, it was really, really made funny. A, a meal out of that. I mean, it was, it, yeah. I mean, but hey, let me ask funny. you something about Weger. No, it was okay. funny. Uh, yeah. So like back in round five, no, round six, we saw like, Jacob... I'd be sad going to like a really sad locker room. I guess. I mean... Like, think I... of your workplace. Like if, if your workplace goes from <laughs> like, you know, the coolest like whatever tech company in the world with slides or like catered lunches or whatever, and then you just go to like a cubicle with fluorescent lighting. Yeah, I it just... Is... What do you care more about? The locker room or... Like, I don't know, like how often well, do they spend in the I locker think room versus he's out of, he, I, I, Yeah, I guess so. Anyway. But you want to feel cool when you walk into the locker room. So they got to get on that, I guess. But yeah, back in round six, as I was saying, like we had Jacob Truba and Darnell Nursko, two guys who we know won't be on the top power play. But like we are so reliable for those peripherals. I wonder if Mackenzie Weger like has that in him now. And also maybe he'll just get more ice time than like on a more stacked Florida team. Like I think there is opportunity for him to have that kind of upside, even if he's not on the top power play. So I think that's actually the more I, I think about it. I think it's just one of these things where it's hard to like wrap our head around it. Cause it's just a new situation. I think he could end up earning that pick though. Again, like, like I said, Klingberg, Seth Jones, Carlson. Then actually there was another run to start the 10th round here. Tony D'Angelo, Damon Severson, Jacob Chikrin, and Jeff Petrie. So four actually very different guys in like very different situations. D'Angelo jumps out at me as potentially great value. Like same as last year, right? Like he was going to a new team. And like at that point, we didn't know if he's like, oh, is he going to have behavioral issues and not end up this, you know, finishing the season? He ended up having this great year. Now this year, it's like we know that he's like, pretty reliable to like play out the season and not like a kicked off the team at this point but also philly seems like a dumpster fire but also he's like the top power play guy so uh, i like that like d'angelo to start round 10 seems like a really like good value pick for me i agree yeah and i i'm with you like bouchard and Uyghur in the eighth round were the only d to go uh and i would have rather like any of the ninth i'd rather klingberg jones carlson D'Angelo. Then we saw Severson, Shikrin, Petrie. Like, that's probably where I think Bouchard and Weger belong. Krug and Byram both went shortly after Byram's in an interesting one. Uh, we're almost in the 10th round, so we'll recap it all um, when we get there. But two picks that I liked in the ninth. Elon, I like Jordan Bennington. Like, he was... He was all alone there as like the last goalie on the board that I have some faith in Mm -hmm. and starting a ton of games and doing pretty well with them. And yes, my faith is restored. Uh, It's not restored, but I'm ready for my faith to be restored in Bennington. Well, let's Um, play that same game we played with Flurry and with uh, who was the other guy in Shostjorkin. Who's Bennington's backup? Like, do people know? Like, I feel like it, you know, it fell under the radar a little bit. It's definitely someone who I don't expect to pull a Vili Huso. It's Thomas Grice, who has had a great, you know, solid career. I shouldn't say great, but like, you know, he's been a reliable guy for years, Uh, but he's 36 and he's, he's like a halak, right? He's there. He's like a halak. Exactly. He's not there. And I feel like that was by design. Like, I I feel like St. Louis was like, clearly Bennington can't handle being pushed for the job. 
So we're just going to bring in someone who is never going to be expected to take the job. And it's been a while since Tomas Grice has put together some consistent performances. So I think this could be just what the doctor ordered for Jordan Binnington. Um, and Cole Caulfield also going in the ninth round early between Binnington and Klingberg. Uh, just for context for, well, I was going to say I like this I like this value, but it seems right. Like looking at the context for the forwards going around him, we saw Trocek, Thompson, uh, Boldy, Raymond, and Besser all go. Like Caulfield sandwiched in, in the middle of those guys. That seems right. Matt Boldy seems like the one out of place in our mock ADP would would confirm that that's true. I guess Boldy, like such a high end prospect. If like you know, like he's gonna be great. He already was great last year. The the obvious question is just who's he playing with right now that Fiala's gone. He might not have the most exciting line mates. So we'll have to kind of see, and that that makes him a little risky. Uh, I love the Caulfield pick. I think I'd rather have him than like a Tavo Teravinen or a Tyler Bertuzzi from the round before. Like Caulfield, yeah, he's young. Like it's not a sure thing. But like once <laughs> Marty St. Louis took over, he like was scoring goals almost every single game. And now he's going to like, he's yeah. a year older. He's a, a, a sure shot, top line, top power play, not getting sent to the minors this year. <laughs> like it's just like he's playing with Suzuki, maybe with Slavkovsky or whoever. Like you heard me like hemming and hawing about who to pick from the Habs in that uh, draft I did with Andrea, Dave and Ben a, a few episodes ago. But like, I just feel like Caulfield is like a really close to a sure thing to like be like whatever out of 25, 30 goal score and then upside for more. And he's going to get the greatest deployment possible on the Habs. So I think that's a really fun pick and could end up, you know, like what I was saying before about Andy taking Stutzla late, you kind of have to take a swing. Like this is like, if you get in the ninth, like a guy who I think has a really high floor based on his role on the team. And, but like also like a really high ceiling, like it's possible that Caulfield, he could do better than like a I wouldn't be so surprised if he's like better than Brian Rust who went in round five or like Matt Duchesne who went in round you know it's just like I feel like I'm not saying it's gonna happen but I think that there's a really good chance that he can really overperform ninth round and, and yeah. you know there's some other guys here that I feel the same about um, but I guess I could let you okay let me throw out one other guy to you since then, then I could let okay. you talk for a while how about the pick of oh wait yeah Logan Thompson down in the 10th like we were talking about how like it seemed like all those goalies were going you know Jack Campbell this went Bobrovsky like- Eight picks after Bennington, for context, who I was, oh no, much more than eight picks after Bennington, like 15 picks after Bennington. Yeah. Yeah. Like with this news that Robin Leonard's out for the year, like I don't really believe in Laurent Poissois. Like I don't think he can handle being more than like a backup. And Logan Thompson is like for sure like young and, uh, you know, it's a small sample size, but he put up really good numbers last year. Like there's a chance that he's like a Nettinger, you know, like, or sorry, I keep saying it wrong. Ottinger, like last year, Ottinger hadn't played much. He, we've, we had seen a little bit of him and he seemed pretty good. And Logan Thompson comes in now this year, he's 25. Last year he played 19 games. He had a nine fourteen save percentage. I expect Vegas to be a better team if everyone can stay healthy. And I see a really good path for him to be a starter that plays like a lot of games. So to get him all the way down in the, uh, what is it, 10th round, mid-10, I feel like that's the kind of goalie I'd love to get late. Like, yeah, it won't, not a guarantee, and he could just end up, like, flaming out and go back to the minors. Like, he's going to be eligible to be sent down if somehow Vegas, you know, Vegas can, like, trade for a goalie. Like, this could all change if they decide, okay, we need someone, and then they go after. We've seen some guys, like, potentially on the block. uh, You know, people are talking about rumors since Leonard's injury was announced. But I just think, like, Logan Thompson is a really fun swing here with, like, super high upside. So, yeah. Me uh, too. He he went ahead of... He went ahead of Vili Husso, who was the next goalie taken a full, you know, 14 picks later. And uh, Georgiev went right after Vili Husso. But I think Logan Thompson, I, if he remains the starter, 
I don't know if he's an NHL starter, but I'm open to seeing if he can act like one for long, like for long enough. And I think Bruce Cassidy is going to be cognizant of this and builds uh, like he builds defensive teams. I think he might be able to find a way to make this work and help Logan Thompson out, even if he's not quite up to up to the level of an NHL starter. We should go back and recap a bit, Elon, because we left you. We left everyone at Rob Thomas at the end of the eighth round. Uh, following that, we had Vincent Trocek to lead off the ninth. Then I'm just going to name a bunch of guys. Here we go. Tage Thompson, Jordan Binnington, Cole Caulfield, John Klingberg, Matt Boldy, Lucas Raymond, Seth Jones, Eric Carlson, Brock Besser, Tyler Sagan, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Taylor Hall, and Zach Hyman to end round nine. You heard me pause on Hall, but I'll keep summarizing. And then I'll go back there. In the 10th round, it started with Tony D'Angelo, followed by Severson, Shikrin, Petrie, Clayton Keller, who, man, I would pick earlier in this draft if it weren't for those first two months. I was, I've been, I've been on this right uh, on the show uh, before. I, I got burned so hard by the Isles last year and their kooky, crazy schedule uh, that wrecked all their players' value. And while I held on, hoping that okay, uh, like I should have listened to sunk costs and just gotten rid of them and cut my losses there. Anyway, I, I don't want to make the same mistake with any Coyote this year. Like, I really like Clayton Keller. I like what he did last season. It looks sustainable. I see a new coach who's built a system that works for Keller. A lot of the personnel there is the same. But those first two months, which we talked about on our schedule show, where Arizona's basically never at home, has a 14-game road trip, spends an entire month or more between home games, uh, that worries me. So that's a reason to, to bump Clayton Keller down. But let me finish the 10th round here. Adrian Kempe, Tori Krug. I like that pick at this point. Bowen Byram, Logan Thompson, Nico Heeshear, Tomas Hurdle, Blake Wheeler, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Rasmus Anderson uh, to end the 10th. And then in the 11th, Cam Talbot goes off the board. Then Sam Bennett, Matt Barzell, Shane Gossespierre. Alex Tuck, Valerie Nachushkin. Very interesting to me that both those guys go back to back. I think they both showed some great, great upside uh, towards the second half of last year in deployment they'd never seen before and have like huge breakout potential this year to be much worth much more than the 11th round pick they were drafted at. So I, I like those. Followed by Ville Husso, Alex Georgiev, Tafoli, Suzuki, Justin Falk. Bo Horvat, David Perron, and Victor Arvidsson to end the 11th round. Elon, I'll, I'll, I have some thoughts, but how about I'll throw to you? I'm <laughs> sure you have like 14 from all those names and the order in which I mentioned them. Yeah, I don't really know how much time we'll have to cover all those thoughts. All I'll say is I think at this point in the draft is kind of where you could win your draft, right? Like hopefully in the first few rounds, you've just gotten superstars, guys you know are going to be amazing. And now here is where I think it's fun to take some swings. Like So for example, a pick that maybe I wouldn't make is like... Uh, I don't know, like a David Perron, like Bo Horvat. Like, I think they could be good. I think, but like, you know, they're not going to be too, too amazing. And I know David Perron, I guess I'm always like too far down. But I feel like now he's not even like necessarily a top liner now that he's on Detroit, which is actually very impressive for Detroit, right? That like they have a top line and, and Perron maybe doesn't cut it, even though like they used to be a team that didn't even have enough players to fill a top line. Uh, but, you know, like some picks, like, you know, uh, compare that to, I guess maybe I'm being showing myself to be like a too much of a Habs fan or something, but Nick Suzuki going in this range, like a top line 
line, top power play guy, uh, you know, Tomas Hurdle. I guess with centers, maybe like good centers are falling more than wingers, which is another reason maybe to take wingers early because you're seeing a lot of these awesome centers falling uh, because I guess people just have too many of them. Um, and when you say centers, Elon, you're saying center, like C only. C players. only, like yeah. These guys are, are only center eligible. We should mention we're using Yahoo's eligibilities here on this fan tracks draft yeah too. yeah great job kevin for copying everything over yeah there's just a lot of centers actually that fall i think it's a, there's a really good reason to just not uh draft too many centers at the start because you can get some good guy like nico Heeshear. i like uh you know i also like uh like uh i guess i said matt barzell or i'm not sure like he he could uh, obviously has the upside to be more sam bennett is an interesting pick uh, there's so many names, Brian, but Bennett is like uh, someone I'm very worried about, actually. Like, he's not someone yeah, he's, I, I'm going to pass on. He's him. a do not draft guy for me, unless it's really late. Like, I'm not going for him in the 11th, especially not before Tuck and Natushkin and Tafoli and Suzuki and David Perron, I think, in the 11th is also. Mm-hmm great oh yeah i was gonna say about Tofoli. that's a guy who could be huge right like on calgary it's gonna be like obviously who gets that spot if we're gonna assume it's gonna be lindholm and huberdo on the top line that other spot could be amazing and if also on the top power play like i feel like Tofoli could end up being like a point per game easy if he gets that deployment of course it could be mangiapani with sam bennett by the way just the reason i'm concerned is that a huberdo's gone and he's had all of his success in his whole career he's had a long career the only time he's had success is playing with huberdo and also he's not even guaranteed like top six like anti Tom Lundell is nipping at his heels, and I wouldn't be surprised even if Lundell sooner uh, before later like yeah. ends up taking over. So yeah, that's the reason I'd avoid him. And and we went deep into Bennett's numbers. Uh, thanks very much to John Newhold, uh, listener and tier one par- participant competitor, who like showed the disparity in Bennett's home and away stats and how like whatever's happening when Bennett's at home. I don't know if it's friendly counting or line matching or a combination of both. But Bennett's stats on the road were awful to the point that if like no matter how well he was doing at home, if I had a full lineup and Bennett was playing an away game, I'd, I'd move him to the bench. Like I, I would not want him in my lineup. He was that bad. He was basically fa- were, like free agent fodder on the road, which is not something that you want to put up with over the course of a 82 game season. But yeah, I think this 11th round, like Peron fell according to our our mock um, our mock ADP so far, Perron fell two rounds than where he's normally gone. Like ninth round Perron sounds righter than 11th round Perron here. Um, and uh, so I, I like that. I think at this point in the draft, you are looking for upside. Like you're not looking necessarily for the guy who did the thing last year. You're looking for the guy who showed that he could do the thing last year and can actually come and deliver this year. So like Bennett would be an example of the former. And then you've got, uh, I'd say Perron, you've got Tafoli, Nishushkin, Tuck, Oliver Bjorkstrand now going in the 12th round, uh, Maddie Beniers also. Like these are guys who who do have the upside. And this is about when you start taking those swings. Because once you get to, honestly, uh, I would say round 14, you're picking guys who you're going to drop uh, like pretty, pretty quickly. So this is a time to try and grab one of those, like get great value. Um, from someone that you can expect a lot of upside from before you really, really start swinging. We've been through another couple rounds, Elon. Um, I just want to mention Taylor Hall quickly before I recap them, uh, which is uh, I like I like Taylor Hall this year. Like I, I know he's he's like definitely taken a lot of guff from fantasy managers, um, and maybe he was drafted a touch early here at 125th overall. That's about half a round earlier 
than he's been picked, uh, about nine picks sooner than he's been picked in our mocks on average. But I kind of feel like Hall Pasternak Krejci is line one in Boston. Like, I think they're going to do much more scoring than Bergeron's line until Marshawn is back. I think they'll all be on the power play too. I think they're in good shape to do some real damage. And of course, the thing we don't like about Hall is that he now defers to Pasternak. But now Krejci is going to also defer to Taylor Hall. So I wonder if he gets a little more of his shooting back with playing with who once was an elite setup guy in David Krejci and hopefully still is. Elon, yeah. do you have any more thoughts? No, or, for yeah. sure. Okay. Taylor Hall like ended last season 16 points in his last 19 games, seven goals. He was, like a, he was a 70-point player for a large chunk of the back end of the year. Yeah, no, like Taylor Hall is a great pick there. Like I think it was like, yeah, when they were running, Marshawn Bergeron passed on line one and then leaving Taylor Hall to play with meh players. Yeah, what did you expect? And sometimes he wasn't even on the top power play, if you recall. They were having DeBrusque ahead of him. Now they could put Hall and DeBrusque on the top power play. Uh, I, I guess, again, that interview, again, that we uh, just released with Fluto Shinzawa, he was saying how maybe also Krejci gets up there, and that means like one of DeBrusque or Hall isn't there. But I would guess Taylor Hall has you know earned that top power play spot with how well he did at the end of last season. And that, to me, looks like no reason why he can't hit 70 points again. So that's, again, great value for... Like, what round are we talking about that he went in here? Like He went in the ninth. Yeah, that's pretty good value. The um, end of the ninth. Right yeah. now, we're here now in, like, round 13. So this draft is blazing by, and there's some really fun picks that have gone recently that I wonder if just, like, at this point, maybe I could just, like, throw at you, like, a couple ones that I like as, like, late picks that I think could still be... You know, we're, we're talking about these guys yeah. that could have huge value even going late. Here's one that Let actually me... just went off the board, and then I'll okay. just throw to you. Okay, Michael yeah. Bunting. I like that pick a lot. This is a guy yeah. who's going to be in the exact same situation as last year. Like, I don't see a reason why he's getting bumped from that line. So why can't he just kind of repeat his uh, Calder-nominated season to be like a 70-point guy? And one thing I do when I'm trying to decide whether a pick makes sense or not is I'll look at who the other forward picks are around him. And, like, I see Seth Jarvis, who, you know, might be getting some interesting and solid deployment, but... Nothing's guaranteed. Same with Ricard Raquel, who went right after Bunting. I see Manjapane, similar situation. I see Jacob Vrana, kind of similar situation too. But Michael Bunting is like the guy that I would lock into here as someone who I like, basically what we said about Zach Hyman in previous years, nothing's changing. He's still going to be playing with one of the best goal scorers in the world. Uh, I think that's a that's a great pick around a lot of other uncertain forwards who were going at the same time. Andrew Kopp also went before him. Tom Wilson went before him, who's, who's going to miss significant time too. So yeah, I uh, I really like bunting here. That's from Brett, who we already nailed for the Lindholm pick. So <laughs> way to go, Brett. Yeah, well also, well, Lindholm could be a good pick. Like I could easily see Brett like playing that back for us and being like, you idiots, look at yeah. what you said. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, bunting, by the way, you look at his overall points, right? 63 points in 79 games. Like, yeah, 65 point guy. Yeah, I guess he could do it again, but whatever. But it's like, don't forget, like at the start of the year, the Leafs were still playing around with some different combos and bunting had a stretch for like only four 14 points his first 23 games like if you look at his just end of the season in his last 40 games he had 39 points just like wrap your head around that okay like obviously like he's a little risky and the reason why he falls so far is like if for whatever reason like the Leafs decide if like Keefe decides like I don't think it's working and they move him to a different line he loses like all his value like he becomes someone we're talking about on the podcast if like you drop him but like we're talking about a guy that easily could be 70 plus if he's playing with like he's Matthews and Marner like it's enough said I think so yeah I just like that as like what feels like a pretty sure thing I also like uh, Jeff Skinner going like you know we were saying how wingers are hard to find and Skinner going in 
the 13th round, like, is it just me or is that like really good value for a guy who, how many goals did he end up with? I'm just bringing him up right now. He scored 33 goals last year, had 63 points. I feel like he's pretty locked in as that top line left wing with, uh, you know, Thompson. And then I guess like Tuck or someone else can take that right wing spot. But uh, it seems like the new coach changed everything for Jeff Skinner. Yeah. And remember Jeff Skinner, like did not come out of the gates, like firing on all cylinders. He really only got going in the new year. Um, I'm just trying to pull up his, uh, his splits as I talk uh, to prove my point. Uh, But I, I do like him here. Uh, We talked about certainty and like, I know he's been far from certain for a lot of his career, but he feels pretty certain like with Tage Thompson up there too. Yeah. Jeff Skinner started the year with 17 points in 30 games last season uh, and then he finished the year on a tear for almost all of it. 46 points in his last 50 games, shooting, uh, like taking like three and a half shots per night, shooting at a reasonable shooting percentage, seeing only 17 minutes, actually, which is crazy for the number of shots he was putting on net, which is what we've always wanted to like about Jeff Skinner. Uh, so looking at a guy who played the last four months of the season, uh, at an almost point per game pace and who is a goal heavy player. I really like that amongst the uncertainty of other guys, as we mentioned, like Raquel Jarvis, Menjapani, Verona cop. Um, I will shout out Carter Verhaeg who went right after Jeff Skinner as another player that I am sort of keeping an eye on later in drafts for the right moment. Um, I don't know if you remember Elon, but he was like a mystery to us for several portions of the season. Like we, we generally like we came in really liking him as a guy who just gets 70 points by playing with Alex Barkov. And then he was going quiet for reasons that we could not for the life of us understand, like nothing really added up to the disappointing parts of the season that he had last year. And I'm kind of willing to give him a pass and give him a fresh start. I assume he's still going to be playing with Barkov. And, and I think, he, yeah, and he like yeah. turned it on in the playoffs, right? So, yeah, he like yeah. had a disappointing end to the season. Like, Ben talked about that in his interview with David Dwork that we dropped last week, which definitely people I hope are, are checking out these awesome late uh, summer so beat writer interviews. Uh, but yeah, like uh, 12 points in 10 playoff games for Carter Verhage. And David Dwork was saying he was like one of their best guys in the playoffs, scoring like OT winning goals. So, I feel like he's definitely earned, like, you know, it's not as if like, oh, it didn't go. Like, I don't want people to like look at just the splits from the regular season and go, oh, it looks like things weren't working out that well at the end of the season. Maybe that's a sign that you know it ended badly maybe they're going to shake things up next year i think it's like yeah we have a new coach so who knows what paul maurice is going to do but i feel like verhage and barkov did very well together in the playoffs and i don't see why they would get split up so yeah obviously like keep your eyes open for training camp uh and but i'm not that worried and i agree with you brian i think that's a pretty solid pick should we talk goalies for a little bit like, yeah, let me, can I, well, we have a, a few that uh, we had a goalie run in round 12, which we haven't summarized yet. So if you don't mind, please. Elon, would you like me to go one round at a time? Or do you want me to just, we have three rounds to recap. What do you want to do? <laughs> How about I'm just going to really quickly say that all the way down <laughs> at the end of round 14, uh, Philip Grubauer just went as like a uh-huh. super, super late goalie. And yeah. that's the second goalie taken from Edwards team who took Shostjorkin way back in round two. 
I like that pick because like it's so late and you're a starter, yeah. guaranteed starter, at least to start the year. He was terrible last year. Hard guy to rely on. But like, I feel like, especially in a league like ours, it's a points league. We don't ding you too, too badly for a goal against. Like, yeah, we took down the value of a save. But I feel like if he play, if you have a volume goalie, that's rare. And like some goalies who've been taken ahead of Grubauer, like your Vanacek's, your Franco's, uh, you know, even like a Huso who Brian, I know you were high on, but I feel like Nadelkovic could easily like make that 50 50 yeah so i just feel like grubauer this late is like really good value just because you're getting those guaranteed starts unless he's like absolutely terrible but hopefully he's taking some time to like adjust to this new system and i don't know figure out what he needs to work on in the offseason it's too bad we weren't able to get a beat writer interview for seattle yet uh, we'll see if we can still get one but if not we'll just have to wait and see but yeah i like the pick but brian you could read out some of these other goalies who went because yeah it's a fun group yeah well, I was thinking actually, like maybe that's how you do it for uh, for if you're going to go goalie early, you find a goalie late that you can put a lot of faith in, or like at least think that is going to be a workhorse. And I don't see why Grubauer wouldn't be. Seattle wants it to work. Um, and Edward, like uh, Andy, who took Vasilevsky and Hellebuck, uh, he took uh, early in the first, you know, two two goalies in the first four rounds. Edward took Shostorkin in the second round, uh, and then. D so also went light on forward. So maybe we'll compare their teams later just to see as, 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 uh, as two managers who drafted away from forwards the most in the front rounds. But yeah, I really like that. And I like Grubauer more than the goalies that went off the board before him who are shaky or in a timeshare or has a lot to prove. Matt Murray, Vanacek, Carter Hart, Pavel Francouz, uh, yeah, like you said, even Huso and Georgiev. We had John Gibson go at the start of the 12th round. Um, then I'm going to move on. Can I'm, I say I'm do about recap. Gibson? Are you ready? Uh, yeah, yeah. Say, t- say about Gibson. Like, yeah, he's been bad every year. And yeah, like, there's, <laughs> but... there's every reason to be like, ugh, stop telling me to draft John Gibson. But like, he keeps falling in drafts to a point where he's worth like picking, right? Like, he's still the starter on Anaheim, who's going to be better. Like, they got Klingberg. Like, they, they you know, they've got Zegris. Like, I don't know if they'll be better this year, actually. Like, they still have a lot of young guys. Like, it would be nice to see them. Like, you know, at some point, their defense is going to be insane. And we saw what some of their prospects were doing in that world championships that just happened. Like, but as far as next year goes, also, I love the off day schedule for Anaheim. So you can have Gibson. And then if you get a couple other goalies, you'll probably be able to get a lot of Gibson's games. Like, who ended up drafting John Gibson here was Nick, the team who had first overall. He has Kemper and Gibson. Yeah, I guess like there's no more. Uh, yeah, I feel like Gibson's a good goalie to draft if you're planning on rostering three goalies, like three starters, because you could just like take advantage of it. Normally people can't. But anyways, yeah, I don't know. I, I like Gibson there. And I think it was like worth it in the round 12. I would take still take Gibson over like in the round before we had like Huso, who we talked about, Cam Talbot. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I'd rather have the starter, though. Yeah. Georgiev going earlier in round 11 was interesting, right? Because I guess the word is that Colorado's going to try to run him as the starter. That's what Ben's been saying on the show. And he thinks like people who think it's going to be a tandem are going to end up being mistaken. Like Georg- but Georgiev has to actually run with it. Oh. So to me, he's still risky, but obviously super high upside because if he is actually given a chance to be a starter on Colorado, like you've got a starting goalie on an amazing team and he's going to be like insane. Justin, who drafted Georgiev, took Francois in the next round, which is interesting, right? Like, I don't know if he needed to take Francois in the next round, if anyone would have interest in Francois without Georgiev. But we've talked about before, like the best tandem, if you're going to get a tandem, 
you're hoping to drop one guy within the first two weeks, right? You don't want to be stuck with them in, in lots of formats, including like a couple. You want to hold them all season long. And so Justin Justin gets dibs. He gets to see who wins the goalie competition. It could be a couple tough weeks, but is probably rooting for one person to take uh, to take precedence, supremacy over the other. Okay, Elon, big recap. Are you ready? No, I'm not ready. I want to just talk <laughs> okay. about some more players and then we'll get <laughs> really quickly. Do, okay. How, well, so let me talk about one then. Go it's, for it. It's the, it's the guy you talked about, John Gibson, who's at the top of round 12, where we're going to start the recap. Jared Spurgeon went right after John Gibson. And I feel like he's kind of like the John Gibson of D. <laughs> like he could, he, he has disappointed, even though he's had like great deployment and great opportunity uh, in the past. And like we've seen him deliver, but we've also seen him not deliver. And it's a guy who you spend a lot of time waiting on being like, this should work. Yeah, and but look, he did have a 52-point pace last year. He had a great se- He had the quietest 50-plus point pace on the blue line last year. It was incredible. And I think this is fantastic value, getting him in the 12th round. Like the D who went before him, uh, Falk, Gostas Bear, Byram, Krug, Petrie, Sheikran, Severson, D'Angelo. Then we're already back at like the Klingbergs and Bouchards and Uyghurs. Like I think Spurgeon is uh, is probably the best value power play one quarterback available in these drafts. And now that I've said that, maybe that'll change the dynamic in your league somewhat. Uh, but he's someone I've been looking at in a lot of my mocks and watching him fall and saying like, I'd be happy with Spurgeon as like my number two D if I'm waiting long enough. I've already got my number one, like a couple rounds earlier. Maybe it's like John Klingberg. I'll add Jared Spurgeon a few rounds later. Then I'll, uh, I'll find someone later on in the draft. And then maybe I'll find someone at a free agency. Like that's kind of what I'm thinking of doing for my D this year. Josh Morrissey also incumbent power play quarterback going at the end of round 13. 28 picks later. So uh, there's there's value here. There's, there's value. Yeah, there's D. Like, it's the thing is at this point, yeah, if you can get a top power play guy, I like that. And I think Spurgeon, like, yeah, if you get a 50-point defenseman this late, that's pretty good. Now it's here like one day, maybe Kalen Addison takes the job. But I think for next year, it's a pretty solid. We're, we're past the days of Matt Dumba being a threat for PP1. So I like that pick. Gustav Forsling, by the way, if you listen to that David Dwork interview about the Panthers, then, uh, you know, he's pretty high on him. You know, with Uyghur gone, he, we're looking at a potential top pairing guy who showed like real offensive spurts last Last year, he ended up with 37 points in 72 games, so almost a 40-point pace, and maybe his role increases this year. So I like him as like a late D, just because if he plays more minutes, like even if he doesn't get too, too many more points, you get more peripherals, right? The more minutes you play, the more chances you have to block and do things like that. What do you think also about Ryan Pulak, by the way, in round 15? It's pretty crazy. Like, we used to think of him as, like, a really high... He was, like, a guy that we talked about in the same breaths as, like, a you know, a Jeff Petrie. Like, you know, really amazing for peripherals. And he gets a lot of points. Last year, he totally disappears. 21 points in 56 games overall. He did, like, turn it on a little bit at the end, right? Like, well, I guess he missed... He played only, like, two points in his first 12 games, then was injured. When he came back, he did have 19 points in 44 games, which isn't, like, amazing. But, like, you know, it does make his overall numbers not as bad if you just take out those first, like, 12 games where maybe he was, like, still hurt or something. Uh, And there's really great peripherals there. So, again, yeah, I think if you're, like, fading D, that's the kind of guy I'd like to get. Like, as a... Well, not as opposed to, like, another direction you go is, like, an Owen Power, who... Andy took in round 14 who like 
who knows? It's not even a guarantee to be in the lineup all season, though I think he probably will be. And he was there at the end of last season at three points in eight games, was already playing like 22 minutes. And yeah, these games didn't mean anything for Buffalo. And we'll see if the games this week uh, mean something or this year mean something for Buffalo. I think they should be better. Uh, But yeah, I think that's also really good value. Like I want my defensemen like late. They're going to play a lot of minutes. At least give me someone who is going to guaranteed... Like, you know, play a lot, give me those peripherals and maybe have a chance for some uh, offense that we haven't seen yet. Agree. Agree. Like, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Oh, I, I would take Ryan Pulak over Owen Power. I, I, mm. I like the floor better. Uh, yeah. Like, Power, I, I, I have, like, we, I think I mentioned, like, Joe Yurden on the uh, Buffalo Beats interview said, like, maybe Owen Power gets a turn here or there on the top unit. But that's not enough for me. And as a rookie, like I, I don't find rookies are often very physical in the league also. So I, I'm just not seeing Owen Power being um, being someone that I'm I'm looking to have on my team. And I, like Pulak is a deep cut himself, but at least I can hope to see if he puts some shots and blocks and hits down and then drop him if uh, if he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Give us the I'm summary. Gonna, I know you want to do it. I'm going to name it. a bunch of guys i just we i need to get this off my chest we've talked about a lot of them already so here's what i want you to do elon and you dear listener um close your eyes listen to the names if one jumps out go ah and then hopefully we'll talk about that guy because elon will have made that sound <laughs> all right john gibson jared spurgeon this is from the 12th round mikhail sergachev boone jenner oliver bjorkstrand sean couturier pavel francos maddie beneers carter hart vitek vanacek Matt Murray, Tyson Barry, Neil Pionk, Ryan Ellis, gamble that he returns, but uh, it's probably early for that gamble. But hey, Ryan Hartman at the start of the 13th, uh, Provorov, Tom Wilson, Gustav Forsling, Andrew Kopp, Jakob Vrana, Andrew Mangiapane, Seth Jarvis, Michael Bunting, Ricard Raquel, Jeff Skinner, Carter Verhage, Braden Shen. I kind of like that pick. Braden Shen came on late last year. Like he was very quiet to the point we said you could drop him. But then I think he was like not unreliable the rest yeah. of the way. Hey, at this and point think- of the draft, you're giving me like a top six, top power play guy with like a good chance to get points in any given game. Like I'll take it. Definitely. Like that's a just reliable pick. Like, yeah, like it was weird how quiet he went at times, but Peron's gone. That's like one like more opportunity maybe for Shen to like stick on like a PP1 type situation. So I like that pick as well. Yeah, I'm just looking down the stretch here. Shen ended the season with 46 points in 40 games. Wow. Or I could go is back that, even further and tell you true? 50. Yeah, 50 points. Am I counting the playoffs here? No. 50 points in 44 games for Braden Shen. Now he was shooting like almost 25%. That helped, but he was tearing it up. And I know people dropped him. And we were like, yeah, there's nothing to see here. Uh, it doesn't seem to be going well. He's also been a mystery. Like he's a, anytime someone asks me a question about Braden Shen, I have to look into his numbers. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to find anything. I can't explain this. Uh, but yeah, like you were, you sound very surprised at how great the rest of his yeah, season was. He was that high. Yeah, from January onward, the guy was tearing it up over a point per game. So I think that's like, I would definitely take him at this point in the draft, followed by Josh Morrissey, also that top power play incumbent. Logan Couture to kick off the 14th round. Then Andre Burakovsky, who I've talked about, someone who I, I like his upside. He and Bjorkstrand both really interest me in Seattle, especially with so many quality centermen. Tanner Janot, Ryan O'Reilly, Owen Power, Max Pacioretty. Elon going in the 14th here, knowing he'll be out. It's like, is it six months? My, my, 
remembering my injury news correctly. I think this was a mistaken pick. He's out, like, I think for the season. I, okay. That's not a good pick. I, I don't think. I would definitely not make that pick, hoping he's back for, like, what, like a week at the end of the year. Like, yeah. Ca- like hopefully you're, you're, for Carolina, he's back just in time for him to take off LTIR in time for the playoffs, of course. Uh, the Kucherov move. Brian, by the way, I saw you pause the draft. Let, let it go. We got to... Uh... We fell so... F- I'm going to let it go. We <laughs> just fell so... I, I'm going to finish the recap. Okay, I'm going to let it go now. Fine. Okay. Resume draft while I continue uh, yeah. naming players. Anthony Duclair, Trevor Moore, Riley Smith, Connor Garland, Anton Lundell. I like that pick low key. I think if you're looking for like Sam Bennett production, I mean, minus the hits, but I feel like Lundell could find his way into similar point production. Radko Duda, Gudas, Dudas, uh, Philip Grubauer, Chandler Stevenson could be good if he gets good deployment. Like I've seen, I've seen thoughts saying don't write him off completely just because he doesn't look locked in um to great deployment anders lee to start off the 15th round you know i'm a sucker for no, him that's a good pick i mean I again it's a great pick same as shen like a guy who's going to be top line top power play and he had a really strong end to last season uh yes yeah, checks all the boxes like that's a guy like at this point like you said brian you're taking guys here who probably you're going to drop you're just hoping for someone who will be good enough to you know stick but like assume that maybe they won't I feel like Anders Lee, like, probably will stick. Like, I, I don't see... He just seems like someone that's, yeah, worthy of being rostered all season, especially if you didn't get wingers, like, left wing, you know, and you're trying to, like, fill those wings because you were, like, feasting on centers early on. And now you can get a guy who, like, two seasons ago, he was a 58-point guy. Uh, this past season, yeah, only 28 goals, 46 points in 76 games. But uh, look at those... Uh, you know, he had four points in his first 12, 10 points in his next 18. After that, he really turned it on. He really clicked with Brock yeah. Nelson. And he was one of those aisles who like suffered greatly from the start of the season, how wonky the schedule was. Like it took a long time for that team to find its feet. Lee still was looking shaky um, into like January and February, but in March he found his game. He had 26 points in his last 30 games. He shot 22%, which helped, but this is a, this is like you said, if you, this is the time where you're taking swings but if you can still find a top line, top power play guy in there, that might that might be better. Well, yeah, a, a thirty all, goal, all a thirty goal player in a league that like, yeah. has value for goals. Uh, that I'm said, happy. I I drafted Kyle Palmieri last season, <laughs> thinking he was top line, top power play, and had potential for all those goals. But Anders Lee is different. Uh, Kyle Palmieri was like new to the team ish, so uh, I, I like that. Joel Eriksson Eck followed Anders Lee in the fifteenth round, followed by Ryan Johansson, Ryan Pulak. Ryan Mikhaev, just kidding. Mason Marchment, Brock Nelson. Why David do you say Krejci. Ryan Mikhaev, just kidding? What's the joke? Well, because I said t- there were two Ryans before him. Oh, huh. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't that good. Uh, Jeremy Swayman, Alex Lafreniere, um, Mikhail Granlin, Nick Schmaltz, Travis Konechny, TJ Oshie, Anton Forsberg in the 16th round, Mantha, DeBrusque, Slavin, Atkinson, Dumba, Dunn. I'll stop on Vince Dunn as being oh, like. I would have stopped deep- earlier. Okay. I would have stopped on Atkinson. That's like a crazy value. Okay. Or actually, I would have stopped on DeBrusque also after listening to that interview with Pluto. Like, there's some good guys there. Yeah, Mantha. There's actually, this is a a really interesting round. Yeah, I would have stopped on Nick Schmaltz. The craziness that he gave us last year. That was insane. Yeah. And you you were saying you love Keller so much, so why wouldn't Schmaltz be similar as well? Well, absolutely. It's the Arizona... The Arizona schedule issue, but here, even I think in the 15th round, I, I don't think you're giving up a whole lot to see if he can uh, be reasonably decent through those two months of pain and then step up later. Mm-hmm. I, I only stopped on Dunn because this is this is a time where 
Like there's still some decent forwards, forward swings to take, but there's not a lot of D swings to take. And Vince Dunn is like, Philip. I, I feel like he's Philip Grubauer's uh, equivalent, right? He seems to be quarterbacking the top unit in Seattle. Like Grubauer's seems to be the starter. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of competition. Things didn't go well last year, but they've had a season and an off season to fix it. And things have gotten better in front of them. So I'm uh, like Vince Dunn is the sort of player I take as my three or four D and hope he can stick. I'm ready to be disappointed, but uh, there's like at this point of the draft, like the D taken around him, Hannafin, Dumba, Slavin, Pulak, Power, Gudis. Uh, none of these guys have the same upside. Well, maybe Hannafin. Uh, maybe that, Owen Power. I, I feel like Brian, don't be too low. I'm not Owen seeing. Power. I'm not seeing upside in Owen Power. I'm not seeing upside in like a first overall pick. Like I, I don't know. I feel like it's this just the season kind of behind Rasmus Dahlin. Yeah. I mean, he's okay. very, very good. And Joe Yurden said so. And yeah, Dalene is good. But like, they're, sometimes, some teams have two good defensemen. <laughs> like, it's possible. Like, I'm not talking it's about possible. like, like you know, 80, like or even like 60 points. But I think if you're like talking about Vince Dunn, and being like, I don't think that anyone has the same upside as Vince Dunn. I, I think you could. Uh, I think Owen Power versus Vince Dunn could definitely go Power's side. I'd probably still take Power for those peripherals. But I do uh, agree with you anyways that Vince, Vince Dunn. Dunn. I don't mean to poo-poo your, your Vince Dunn talk. There is actually a defenseman left. Ooh, actually, Jake Sanderson. I kind of forgot about him. He's a, a fun, he's like a Owen Power type, actually. I think Jake Sanderson could end up in a very similar situation where he's not like slated to be on the top power play. That'll be Shabbat, but he could be a rookie that plays huge minutes. I think Ottawa's planning on really depending on Jake Sanderson. I'm not sure what his peripherals will be. We'll have to see. Like, at least we got to see a little bit of what Power can do. And he did like block some shots. There's still actually a defenseman that's going to start the year on the top power play uh, mm-hmm. and could be good. But we'll, uh, we'll get there when, when he's picked. But yeah, lots of fun players. Brian, what do you think about. Um, Okay, here's two names I want to throw at you, okay? Uh, first yeah. of all, Andre Palat in the 16th round. That seems like a fun swing. I like sw- it. I think that's a fun swing. I guess we'll have to see the lines, but I have a hunch that they didn't sign him to a multi-year deal for money to not potentially play with Jack Hughes at least to start the year and see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really exciting to see what... Like, this is going to be the first time that Palat's been given top billing, right? Like, he was on the triplets line with Johnson and Kucherov, even then, they weren't really top billing. They turned into it, but they they weren't really the number one line that year even. Uh, but this is a chance for him to really play a, a different role in a different way. And uh, I'm curious to see if he can fill that spot as uh, a legit top line forward. And even on the second line, if he lands with Nico Heischer, I still think he might be able to do damage. So the same way I like Andre Burakovsky, uh, who's shown potential and is moving to a new team where he'll see better opportunity or new opportunity, I should say. Uh, I like Andre Palat for the same reasons. Because it's not like, like he spent a lot of time with great players in Tampa and couldn't convert. But he also spent um, some but, time with great players and did convert. Like he had a great yeah. season just two years ago. So he's shown the ability well, that, to do that it. That was on the power play. So we'll see if he can step in and be yeah. a big part of the New Jersey power play too. Yeah, I think it's just a good swing here. Like, yeah, not like swings don't always have to be like young players, right? Like it could just be a guy in a new situation that maybe could be better. And then on the same team, I think like Mackenzie Blackwood is that like definitely you take him with a pick that like if you have to drop him, that's fine. Oh, I also want to say, by the way, Bretsky here who like I poo pooed his patches pick and I was saying it was a mistake. Okay. He says it wasn't a mistake and it's like you could just like dra- I guess it makes sense in terms of like you could draft him, put him in your IR and then hope that something happens and he's back. And in the meantime, you can take a free agent. So I guess that's what he was thinking. So yeah, in a league that gives you enough IR spots like we do. I just the word is he's not going to play this season, but maybe I guess things could happen. But anyways, okay, Mackenzie Blackwood, I think, is a, the only goalie left that has a chance to play on opening night, which is something, right? Like obviously he's 
been concerning with injuries and like not playing well but like i think if he has a good camp and these are all ifs but like we're talking like a super late goalie like he's he could be the starter there like i know it's like looks like a tandem like blackwood and vanacek but i think like in a perfect world blackwood meets that potential that he had at one point and vanacek is more a backup because i don't think vanacek could ever be a starter. well that's not nice to say but like i don't know i think blackwood's a fun swing here in round 16 as a goalie that has yeah. a chance i don't know if there's any other goalies i guess like spencer knight but like you know he's behind Bobrovsky, like samsonov well, actually samsonov's good just I'll, because matt murray's gonna get injured but like uh <laughs> i'll throw I, yeah. i'll throw cal peterson out there as another goalie with yeah, big upside this so year but year. i i agree in your yeah, but now Quick's another year older and maybe Peterson's another year wiser. Like yeah, last sure. year was a real misstep for Peterson. It was not on trend with what else we'd seen from him. But I like what you're saying about Blackwood versus Vanacek. Blackwood has the upside, yeah. right? Like like Vanacek, I feel like we know about the best case scenario is he rattles off like a couple great weeks of starts and then doesn't for another while. Whereas Blackwood, who knows? Who knows? I, I'm not. I don't have a whole lot of faith that he can reach whatever his upside is. But if I had to take a swing, he's not a bad swing to take. I think. I don't know who I'd pick between Blackwood and Peterson. If I had to pick, they went about a round apart here. Uh, I mean, I think I take Peterson. Blackwood worries me because it feels like his team doesn't like him. Yeah, and I'm realizing now, like we're gonna do a whole show about goalies next week, oh, so I guess we could oh, move on. What are we to doing? Other stuff. Yeah, Why we're are we talking about okay, so Let me throw out a pick here. Actually, two interesting picks I want to bring up. In the 17th round, Phil Kessel went. He's a guy we haven't talked yet about him signing with Vegas. Uh, this could be a really great situation, right? Like they don't necessarily have like a lot of top six players. Like they have that line if they keep it together, which maybe they won't, you know. But just thinking of their players, they have William Carlson, Marcia So, and Riley Smith, and then they've got. Obviously, Eichel and Mark Stone. And then, yeah, we've seen Chandler Stevenson there. But I could see, like, one of those guys I've mentioned being bumped and maybe, like, a Phil Kessel getting a shot in the top six, getting a shot on the top power play. So I think he's another fun swing. Like, he was pretty good in Pittsburgh. And then he went to Arizona, and it didn't click. But it might just be that, like, he wasn't a fit in Arizona. Maybe he's the same player he was or similar to the guy he was in Pittsburgh. And he just needs you know, another Malkin, you know, like maybe Eichel is his Malkin. Like, I, I don't know exactly, but I think there's a chance here. And obviously he's a guy we're going to be watching in training camp at the same time. Like he just couldn't score last year, which was weird. He actually ended up with like 50 points, but like hardly any goals. Um, but yeah, Phil Kessel, uh, I wouldn't leave him undrafted. I, I guess obviously I want to see what happens in training camp. I think that's a fun pick to go here. And then also how about Arturi Lekkonen going in all the way in round 18, like uh, Lekkonen really was good in, in Colorado. Yeah. And I feel like that's there's a, he has a good chance to be a top six guy. That's a very fun upside pick. Like that's yeah. And I think 18th round is a, like a better than expected place to grab him. Um, who else has gone? Okay. We got to Dunn, Mercer, Palat, Hannafin, Blackwood, Perfetti, Rossi, and McKinn ends the 16th round. Then we had Samsonov, William Eklund as a fun pick second in the 17th round. Spencer Knight, Connor Brown. I think I've already mentioned, like, I, I like this pick a fair bit. Like, I think there's a pretty good chance he plays a lot of time with Ovechkin and I would, I'll hold him through training camp or one or two weeks of the season to see if he does. If he's the guy you're golden in the 17th round, then Peterson was taken. Cal Peterson, Martin Natchez, Jake Sanderson, Jamie Ben, Alex Kalorin, Colton Pareko, Jacob Voracek, Mike Matheson. Elon, is that the D on the board? 
we were mentioning you know could still quarterback a that's power play. That's not who I was thinking, but that's actually a very good pick. I think he definitely could quarterback. Like, he could be really good in Montreal. Like, not, like, really good, like, elite, but he could be a guy who ends up being worth holding all year. We'll have to see, like, how things go. But, yeah, there's not much competition. I don't love, like, Chris Weidman. Like, it's annoying that I even have to say it, that you have to worry about Chris Weidman taking his power play time. But, like, Matheson yeah. will probably play the most minutes, I think, or at least of the, like, more offensively inclined guys. The guy I was thinking about is someone who went all the way around 18, Hampus Lindholm. Because, remember, Charlie McAvoy's injured to start the year and Fluto was saying Lindholm's probably going to quarterback the top power play to start and he's already like pretty solid for peripherals and if he's a top power play guy like he's not going to be a guy in free agency to start the season like he's someone that yeah maybe he's not a, an amazing long-term hold but if you can get him this late and just help you get off to a strong start like definitely grab him like don't leave him undrafted because he's going to be I think really good like as long as he holds that spot like Grishlik's also out right like Boston really doesn't have anyone so yeah both of those guys it's are fun to, like, to take for sure yeah what a great way to start your season with Lindholm and then like actively looking around because you know by the time McAvoy comes back you might need you're gonna need to find another way but that's a great way to get started in your season for sure like I'd ride be so happy to grab a defenseman at a free agency who can help me for the first couple months of the season. No problem, which is essentially what's happening in the 18th round. Okay, so we saw Matson, then Kessel, then Sharingovich. And then the end of the draft, the final round, Mark Giordano, Sam Girard, uh, Jay, why can't I? James I'm Reimer? Like blanking on James Reimer. I'm like, Jacob, Jason. <laughs> We've oh, been going a while. I've, I've said a lot of names. <laughs> I think I'm doing pretty well. Arturi Lekkinen, Joe Thornton. Is Hampson Joe Thornton on a team? He hasn't been signed yet. Joe Thornton is not on a team. I think Andy Andy was messing with us. Uh, Mario Ferraro, Eric Comrie, uh, Slavkovsky. Slavkovsky. Hey, could be huge. Anthony Stolarz. Slavkovsky could be on the top line with uh, Caulfield and Suzuki. Yeah. Kapo Kakinen. Okay, someone took (laughs) David Ayers. So like two leaves trolls at the end of the... And then Philip Tomasino was Edwards' second last pick of the draft, followed by Victor Olofsson who I think there are uh, several players taken in the rounds earlier who are more likely to be dropped sooner than Victor Olofsson, who uh, you guys were talking about Victor Olofsson on your draft show, right? You, Ben, Andrea, and Dave uh, were talking about him as someone who might kind of sneak up on us as someone who is worth rostering. I, I, I really, I found him very frustrating to have on my roster last season. So I, I don't think he's going to be a repeat appearer on mine. But Joe Yurden had some positive things to say about how maybe he can be like a kind of power play specialist and holds enough of his own at five on five um, that he holds some relevance yeah. through the season. Uh, so that's that's the whole draft. Yeah, maybe Elon. we could end by uh, tight mentioning a couple players that we think didn't get drafted but could have been worth drafting. Like, yeah, do all it. Right, so just some names off the top of my head. I'm a little bit interested in Dylan Strome in Washington. I think it looks like he'll be the second line center. We'll have to see if he gets top power play. Actually, Ryan Strome on Anaheim, similar thing, right? We have two Stromes that are going to be in new situations and could end up being second line centers. So they obviously have to do something with it. But I think those are guys that could, end, but you know, they're not, I don't know. It's like on one hand, maybe they're not big enough swings to like draft, but they'd be people I'd be watching in free agency. Uh, Mason McTavish just had that amazing uh, you know, junior championships for Team Canada. And uh, 
So anyways, he's on Anaheim. And if he, like, he could actually be this, I don't know. So we'll see if it's like him or Ryan Strom, second line center in Anaheim. How about a defenseman? It's just like two years ago that Alec Martinez was, ama- and I know like Alec Martinez like overperformed and he's not as good as how he was two years ago, but like he's like probably likely to like lead the league in blocks or be up there assuming he actually plays. Like last year, you could almost write off the whole year. He had this injury and he just never came back or when he did come back. Who knows if he was even at a hundred percent. So like a lot of these Vegas guys, I think that you, I think Alec Martinez could be like just one of your salt. Like we talked about some other peripherals guys that went like kind of late. We were like, yeah, I guess I could see that pick just to have a solid floor. Like your, um, I don't know, like obviously he's not like a Truba. Like there's more or Darnell Nurse. Like but, but you know like a low end version of that. I think is Alec Martinez. So he's someone who I'd be pretty happy to get, especially if like I faded D for a while. Uh, Shane Wright is someone who like i guess we'll have to see but he's a rookie and if he plays like you never know like he was drafted well we, people thought he would be like a first overall guy and then he turned out falling to fourth that doesn't mean he's like a nobody right so i don't know so just some names that come to mind maybe i'll throw one more uh, dylan cousins on buffalo someone was going to center that second line i i could definitely see it being cousins and maybe he could do something also like a don't you think seattle has a bunch of guys actually seattle's the team with the most like undrafted top liners eh? like or potential top sixers like eberly and Jaden schwartz both are like both can be guys that do something and are worth uh, rostering. So again, maybe not the biggest swings, but guys who can do stuff. So, eh, you know, some names. Yeah, the, those yeah, those seem like you know top of the pile kind of FAs who mm-hmm. I would, yeah, I might draft. I mean, maybe this from experience, like I had Jordan Everly. I drafted him pretty late last year. I held him a lot, even though he sort of he barely performed above replacement, but it was enough to hold on my roster. Um, I'll throw out like, I don't know. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd draft him, but Kyla, you know, when you're done a draft, you want to have a lot of guys on your watch list. Uh, like Kyla Yamamoto, I'd see how he's doing at camp, even though I've lost most faith in him. I'd be at least curious to see what he might have to offer. Uh, Freddie Goudreau, I know he's lost Fiala, which he has I, I think was this. If he yeah, holds that, he's spot. got, he, yeah. if, yeah, exactly. So he's someone I'd, I'd be curious to see if he can continue being relevant. Elon, I thought you came up with a bunch of good names. I'll throw out one more, which is uh, Alex Barabanov over in San Jose, yeah. playing on the top line with Hurdle and Meyer. It's not Matthews and Marner, but I still think he's got a, a pretty good spot. Uh, to put up yeah. some, to make some like it's not guaranteed that he gets that spot but while he's there he's been like worth streaming i don't know if he's like someone that i'm so excited to draft because i really can't imagine holding him all year but he's like he's been good to, what yeah. about like pavel zaka where it is he's going to start the season uh, you know same with hampus lindholm mm-hmm. right if, if zaka's gonna be playing with bergeron and debrusque on the top line or i guess but brian doesn't want to call the top line but like that could end up being a guy who's worth grabbing to see what he can do in a new situation but okay i think we've gone pretty long here so thanks so much to all of our drafters and all of the listeners i hope you enjoyed this mega two port part draft commentary episode if you want to look at the draft results we will post them let's say keepingcarlson.com slash mock draft Okay? And I'll remember to put that up. Just slash mock. Slash mock. Keepingcarlson.com slash mock. If, if you go there and there's nothing there, please tweet at us and be like, you guys blew it. Why didn't you make <laughs> keepingcarlson.com slash mock? But yeah, uh, all of this was a mock draft for the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, the cupful, which you still can sign up for. Registration deadline is September 8th. 
we want you to join the league. I think you're going to have a great time. And also, you it's not the only perk you get, by the way. If you support the podcast and become a patron, first of all, you're supporting content like this. And we've got a lot coming. We've got our goalie episode next week that everyone's always excited about. We put a lot of work into this, as you, as you can tell. So uh, we also give our access to our awesome patron community, which honestly, like, I don't take too much credit for. Like, we built the community, but it's just now an amazing community uh, with really smart people. And Brian and I are also there giving advice on all the advice questions that come in. And, like, we're ready for you to come in and we can help you uh, make your decisions before your drafts keep and whatnot and also you could talk and get to know all of our amazing community which i'm just so grateful to have uh we also do monthly patron casts we just did one a couple days ago which was so fun the longest one ever like almost as long as this show or maybe longer uh if you like add up uh, part one and part two together uh, we answer every question and we had some really fun ones so that and more we've got more perks coming oh we do show notes during the season that you'll get brian also have this like thing where we might be doing like live show like watching live shows to get it's called a watch party watch parties i'm sorry my mind is starting to uh disappear here but yeah we're gonna like watch games and we have a platform that i think we're gonna be able to do this on where all the patrons will be able to watch games together and just like have a good time uh so that and more so keeping carlson.com slash patron and specifically for the cupful and all that information go to kkupfl.com and register today if you played last year uh and you haven't registered yet because you assume you're in like you're not you have to tell us you're in so go and register please asap uh but with that brian let's cue the outro music and why don't you go ahead and read us the credits and get us out of here all right well first off i want to thank nick taylor dk phil andy brett justin chris dylan tom julien mike edward and jl for uh for being up for volunteering to do this mock with us live uh, ready to mock and be mocked live imagine the pressure so thanks to you all for participating and to everyone who volunteered in our patron community thank you very much if we didn't get you this time we'll get you another uh, but you were all amazing. And uh, when you look at the results, feel free to tweet us or share in, if you're a patron in our Discord server uh, who you think did the best, because I, I think they would all love some feedback that we just ran out of time to give on this episode. So thanks to you all for drafting with us. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Jobber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters, Patty, Rob, David, Derek, Tom, Andrea, Flash, Tyler, and Aaron. Thank you all. Uh, thanks to Kevin. Just shout out for uh, being uh, like an amazing third part of our team coordinating the cupful and our brand new team of co-commishes. You're all the greatest. And we have a couple commish captains in there too. It's a group effort running the cupful. So thanks to everybody who's been involved with that. Elon, thank you and Shams for uh, keeping those Twitter feeds alive with all the latest fantasy news. You can find them all at gamedaytweets.com. There's three of them. You need them all to win your league this year. Follow Blunt Blunwist, Ben and Lewis on Twitter at ShortShiftsKK. Logo art by BrandonLeave.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, NBC Sports Edge, and Fantrax. All right. Great job as always, Brian. Thanks again to all of our drafters. You all uh, are clearly very smart and good at drafting, and it's going to be fun to uh, look at what some of these picks turned out to be. I, I think I'm going to want to go back and re-listen to this episode later just to like get a sense of like what things I said that were smart and what things I said that were really terrible, and I owe people apologies. And I'll have to send people like fruit baskets or something to apologize for mocking picks that turned out to be brilliant. Probably Elias Lindholm will be the one that makes me eat my words the most, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Brian... You did it again. An amazing job. 
And I'm sure all of our listeners are very excited to hear what you have to say next. Next week, when we have our annual tradition, Schmore Goalies Board. It's going to be an amazing show, and i got to get to work on coming up with goalie tiers. I'm super stoked for it. So everyone who is not subscribed yet, get that episode downloading automatically to your phone so you don't accidentally miss it, okay? So just, like, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Like, I use a Pocket Cast I really like, not to, not to throw out an unpaid ad here. Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you're subscribed so you'll get all of the shows. And also, that, that helps us also, by the way, if you subscribe in that five-star review, by the way, wherever you get your podcast also helps us. But okay, Brian, what should people do while they wait to hear what we think about goalies that we haven't already said on this show? Please uh, do all that you can. I mean, I want you to join the couple, come play with us, become a patron. That's great. But most importantly, whether you do that or not, please keep doing what you can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone.